0: Hello, everybody. It's good to be back with you again. Danny Raines here, uh, and we're going to talk about the infamous voice of experience. I'm not sure how to take that. They gave me that title years ago, and I think it's because I'm an old man. So I'm not real sure. But uh, in any case, uh, each one of these podcasts, I try to elaborate a little bit. Uh, since Kate only gives me about a thousand to twelve hundred words to write an article for the uh, magazine, and what uh, what we try to do here is expound on it a little bit and talk more about the context of and the intent of what the standard really is, and uh, since I'm the I guess the regulation the standard guy, uh, we'll just we'll go straight to it paragraph l of 1910-269 was revised back in uh, 2014 mr wallace and in company um they worked on that thing for i know for about six or seven eight years because uh i was told once before it was under review in 2006 by chuck kelly and he came down from eei one time and he said, well, we finally doing it. And I said, well, that's about time because there's a lot of things changed since 1994 when it first started. So, uh, but the problem was it just took a long time for to get all the uh, wrinkles ironed out of the sheet and get all the questions answered. And then there was lawsuits and then there was a little bit of everything. And the industry struggled with it, the update. And of course they, you know, Dave said when he was doing it, there was going to be four major points in there that actually changed. And there was the PPE part, the arc flash, minimum approach distance, which we'll talk a little bit about this morning when we talk about rubber gloves and sleeves. And then contractor relationships, informational sharing, that was a big deal uh, because that was uh, lobbied by many, many contractors across the country. Uh, because uh, I think there was a belief that the host companies were not giving them all the information they needed. And that may be another topic we do, And I I usually make the rounds and try to go through all the paragraphs. And, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that on another time. But this time, we'll talk about minimum approach distances. As I said, they, they wrote, they rewrote the whole standard or just about all of it, they did add and edit quite a bit of the paragraphs, but I was really disappointed in uh, in paragraph L uh, that they, they did add an entire section in there about taking gloves off and putting them on outside of minimum approach, which basically it used to say to where you couldn't be in reach of the conductor. Now it says you cannot encroaching minimum approach with an unprotected part of your hand. That's the intent. At least that's my belief. So uh, that did change, but the part that really didn't change was the fact that somewhere between L1 and L9, 10, somewhere along in there, uh, energized parts is mentioned about nine different times, but only points uh, differences of, of differences of potential and second points of contact are only mentioned once. Well, uh, the industry back in 2004 and five, uh, the industry through the Contractor Association along with uh, several other entities that was at the same table, EEI being one of them and Edison uh, Electric Institute you know, basically supported it. The IBEW supported it. A lot of people supported the change. And they they introduced a, a ground-to-ground, cradle-to-cradle, lock-to-lock on the underground gloves and sleeves. Well, they kind of rocked the boat a little bit in the industry. Some folks had already gone to sleeves, and uh, many had not. Uh, I have, in the last six months to a year, worked with at least two different companies that was contemplating going two sleeves, and they were only wearing gloves, 18 inch cuff gloves. And so the never ending question comes up, uh, what's safer? You know, there's been lawsuits about it. There's been civil cases fought, won and lost about it. There's been all kinds of issues. And of course, you know, I will offer an opinion based on my experience here in the industry, 56 years, 40 years with Georgia power. And of course, I'm, they still, they still don't wear sleeves. So the question comes up, is it safe to do line work as safe, if you will, uh, without sleeves? And of course my, my answer to that is yes. And it's all based on what the regulation says, but it also is based on what kind of cover-up program do you have? How is the cover-up program managed, and how is the performance management of the em- employees managed in the field? And that's the key. Uh, the The disappointing part, what I was talking about, the energized, the quote statement, energized, energized, energized. That uh, the the, in, the industry was focused on energized, and I have an opinion as to why that was the case too. But you know, neither here nor there. The energized part should be covered up for sure, but when you look at all the statistics today, everything that's going on out there in the world today, um, you know, the vast majority, if not just about 99% or more of the incidents that occur face to ground. It's not face to face. So, you know, my opinion was that, gosh, it would have been so nice if they were to added, energized and other differences of potential in the work area or something to that effect in the regulation. And I just wonder if it would have made a difference. <laughs> and of course I base all that on the regulation itself. So what I'd like to do is take us into the regulation here and talk a little bit about what it says. And I'll start with L3 on minimum approach distances. Now, in the 94 standard, uh, OSHA gave you the tables, You know the old uh, the old nine and 10 tables that was there. And now then it's the alternative table six and seven, because in 2014, basically it says now the employer shall set, set the minimum approach distances for their employees. And of course the biggest, the two factors that was left out in the 94 part, the tables were there, was the altitude correction factor. Okay. And for those of you who don't, work above 3,000 feet, uh, and you don't go above 3,000 feet MSL, the air gets thinner. Air is basically an insulator, okay, if you will. And so the higher you get, the thinner the air, the greater the minimum approach distance needs to be. So there's a table in there for the uh, altitude correction factor. You know, for those of us who are working, you know, down in the lowlands, we're in good shape, but you know, I, I have customers out now that's in Utah and Denver, Colorado, which is the mile high or more, and I even have some in uh, Arizona on top of the mountain that's 10,700 feet. So those considerations must be made. That was being left out in the 94 standards. So now then, this specifically says in the regulation that they need to be accounted for. It also added the electrical component, from what I understand. I'm not an engineer now, just bear with me. Uh, the electrical component is I always referred to it simply in layman term as a reach out and touch you, the ATT part. In other words, you don't have to touch it. All you got to do is get close to it. And if you have a difference of a potential and you have minimum approach distance, and then you have, a, let's just say it's 35 inches. And you get within a foot of something, like a 115 line, it's going to arc to it. If you get a boom that close to it, it's going to arc to it, or maybe even a pole or anything else that you're trying to set. But uh, that's the electrical component. That altitude correction factor and the electrical component is two things that most people just didn't pay a lot of attention to. They just went by the basic table. Well now that's different. And so now then the employer must account for that. And so what the standard says in L3, it says the employer shall make any engineering analysis and conduct to determine the maximum anticipated per transient over voltage, TOVs. You know, that is for probably transmission voltages. The TOV of a distribution voltage is not that great, uh, n- not like it would be on. 161 kV or 345 230 345 500 kV or 750 because of the just the the sheer voltage itself that transient over voltage can be tremendous and a lot of that depends on switching spark gap uh, everything that you're dealing with uh, in in the field Uh, whether somebody's switching or somebody could close a you know, or you could have some automatic cap banks close on you and that's going to throw a TOV or a breaker operate. That's going to throw a TOV at you. So there's a lot of considerations to be made there. So the next uh, the next paragraph in here is going to be L3 uh, again, but it's L33I. And now it's, it's putting the, it's, it, this is one of the biggest things they changed back in the day. The employer now is really responsible and accountable for all of these things. And they the the verbiage that was added back then was the employer shall ensure. Okay, and that never was in there, that no employee approaches. It used to say no employee approach. So it's kind of put the responsibility and accountability on the employees. But now then it's saying the employer shall ensure. Well, how do they do that? Uh, that no employee approaches or takes a, a conductive object closer than the energized part of the employer's established minimum approach distance. Now, that is unless, now, it's one thing you've got to understand when you're reading regulations. There's an intent to everything. Okay. There's only one regulation for every system out there, whether it's delta Y, multi ground Y, single conductor Y, doesn't matter. Okay. Delta, 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 Y. It's one set of regulations. The employer has to take this regulation and and mold and train their employees, their policies and procedures, and their employees to adhere to this minimum. And the key word is what? And that's minimum. So if you want to add to it, you can, but that also becomes part of your rules. So just, just bear that in mind. So now, then, they can't do can't uh, go into the established employer's in, uh, minimum approach distance unless, all right. So those conjunctive words uh, tie things together. The employee is insulated from the energized part, or the established minimum approach distance, unless the employee is insulated. So now we're talking, we're talking uh, distribution voltage here. Rubber insulating gloves, rubber insulating gloves and sleeves worn in accordance with paragraph L4 of this section. We're in three, so we haven't got to four yet, okay? Uh, the, the insulation of the employee from the energized part, and the employee is working that the employee has control of, of the part in a manner sufficient to prevent exposure of uninsulated portions of the of the employee's body or there's another one of those words okay or now we'll go on and say the energized part is insulated from the employee so now then you got to say you got to say either the employee is is insulated or the energized part is insulated so uh, you have to be very careful with that or you're doing bare hand work and that's the That's the third conjunctive word right there in L3C, L33IC. The employee is insulated from any other part here in accordance with requirements to do bare hand work. Okay. Well, you go into the type of insulation on L4, and here's the paragraph that trips up the industry and causes so much conversation. When an employee uses rubber insulating gloves as insulation from the energized part, under the paragraph 33 a that I just read, the employer shall ensure that the employee also uses rubber insulating sleeves. Well, I've seen court cases fall over this one sentence right here. But what they did, they don't go on and read the rest of it. However, an employee need not use rubber insulating sleeves if Okay. Exposed energized parts on which the employee is not working are insulated from the employee. And when installing the insulation for the purpose of the paragraph L44IA, the employee installs the insulation from a position that does not expose his or her upper arm to contact with the energized part. So now then it becomes a big question how do I do that? If I'm only wearing 18 inch Gloves, you know, in my case, I was wearing class two gloves doing 12 KV. And then for a while we had class three and went back to two because if you're only working on single phase 14, four, they're good, the gloves are, class two gloves are good for 17 KV. So you're within the the safety margin and that's phase to ground. Uh, You cannot have face to face contact, of course. But you think about what I just said there, and it it is entirely possible that you can do this work if you coordinate it and if you have the correct amount of rubber on your truck. And that's the key to the whole thing. i one of the one of the most demanded topics I do now is. Uh, is uh, provide distribution cover-up training and that's insulate and isolate. Um, That and system grounding are probably in system operations, switching and tagging are the three most demanded topics that my company and I provide my customers. And uh, I I find it very interesting that. But yes, uh, do, do you have to wear sleeves? No, not according to what the regulation just said can you safely work without sleeves yes you can uh, i know i've never had a pair of sleeves on and i've gloved 12 kV and 25 kV for you know 20 years and then trained on it for another 10 or 15 years before i went into corporate safety yes and there's many companies out there today that does not wear sleeves because they have a good program a good cover-up program but yet on the other hand we wind up hurting, burning up people every year because they don't cover up. And that's the sad part about my message today. Yes, you can do it either way. Is one way any safer than the other? I'm not sure. Even if you got sleeves on, you may may have a tendency, not necessarily, but you may have the tendency to not cover up and rely more on the sleeves than you do the cover. I always teach the class that, that sleeves ain't, doesn't have anything to do with cover-up. You should cover-up, cover-up, cover-up. I have, I have some companies that require sleeves and gloves to cover, but when the cover's in place, they can take the sleeves off, just wear their gloves to work in the energized area. So, you know, it's all about what the employer, how they ensure these things to happen to their employees and take care of them. And that's the key to the whole thing. And uh, I know we could we could probably discuss it and carry on and talk about it for the rest of the afternoon and debate the, the thing. But when you have 24 to 28 people getting killed face to ground uh, every year and somewhere, sometime during the year, Most weeks will have one flash or contact somewhere in the United States. Uh, I was teaching a 30 hour class for a co-op down in Florida last December. And it was a Thursday when I finished up the the fourth day of the 30-hour class. And as I was leaving, I started getting phone calls. And that morning, while we were finishing up that class, there were two fatalities and two contacts the same day. Uh, To me, that is absolutely incredible that, that things like that happen. But what were they? Face to ground contacts. So what does that tell you? Uh, path to ground was not covered up, okay? Minimum approach distance with a difference of potential was violated. And uh, that's sad but true. And that's, that's what we try to prevent. Now, do I advocate one way or the other? Nope, I'll teach you both cover up. Because like I said, sleeves doesn't have anything to do with proper insulate and isolate and cover up. You should always do that. But anyway, so much for that for today. And I think that's probably about my 20 or 25 minutes that I have uh, been dedicated to do this podcast. And I appreciate everyone joining in and uh, Nick uh, recording and then reproducing this thing and putting it out there. And of course, you always know that if you have any questions about anything of my articles or my podcast, you can always call me. I think the, the contact information will be available at the podcast, my email address and phone number. It's always open. You can call anytime you'd like. So thank you very much for attending. I hope you got a little bit out of it. If you have any questions, feel free to call. Thank you. Have a safe day and God bless. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Utility Business Media and its employees. It is strongly recommended that you discuss any actions or policy changes with your company management prior to implementation.